Well, I got a letter this week that was sent to Vail Christian High School, and it quoted uh, the name of a young girl who had graduated from that school who is now engaged to a gentleman who's pretty famous. And it says, of those two and everybody at this school, note the evidence against you, the likes of you, that you are the blind leading the blind, and you will both fall into the pit. And then it gets a picture of a man in some trousers and a woman in a long dress and a, looks like an apron, how their hair should be. It says, men, full beard, void of eccentricity. Long hair, men, equals homosexuality. Any female articles, including kilts, same as long hair, homosexuality. So all our friends in Scotland are homosexuals. Women, short hair is a homosexuality. Long, ankle-length, full dresses, void of slits. By the way, women, according to this letter, immodesty is fornication. And men who are primary visually stimulated, women are the greatest offenders, worshiping their own flesh and demanding all do the same. Then he moves through the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Voting is idolatry. You shall make no image of anything. Therefore, all arts and entertainment are idolatry. Actors and actresses are liars. All photography, mind you, family photos, snapshots, glamour shots are all self-worship. Let me just add here. Naked pictures of babies are child pornography taken and kept by pedophiles. Moving through the Ten Commandments, we come to you shall not murder. To which Jesus redefined that in the Sermon on the Mount. But in this letter, here's what they say. They don't go to Matthew 5. They say all competition is murder. From board games to baseball, quiz bowls, quiz bowls, huh? Bible bowl, murder. To queens of pageants, amateur and pro, young and old alike, there's no such thing as healthy competition. Moving right on into the good old U.S. of A., The beast's number is 666. It is the man's number, the people's number, whom God created on the sixth day. People, P-E-O-P-L-E, is six. Democracy is Greek in origin. Government of the people, by the people, for the people. Six, six, six. You might, yes, I I see smiles. Like, this is a joke. No, it's not. It was a letter sent. I see smiles, I see frowns, like that just doesn't sound right, and you are right. But let me bring it a little bit more down to earth. (laughs) Don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with those who do. Entertainment, movies, evil, TV, evil, cards, evil, pool, evil, paintball, it's warlike, evil, computer games, evil. External, external appearance, got to wear certain clothing, dating versus courting. Quarters are more holy than daters. That's the way it goes. There's been books written on it. Dealt with it for seven years. I kissed dating goodbye, to which another guy writes back, I gave dating a chance. To which the guy that wrote, I kissed dating goodbye, actually meets a girl and talks to her one-on-one at a scheduled time at an Einstein's Bengals. That's a date. And then he says, writes a book called Boy Meets Girl. So it's not about dating and courting. There's something deeper. How about the education of your children? Homeschool, private school, public school. It's out there. 
public school people is of the devil. Really? Hmm. How about patronizing certain businesses? Don't go to Disneyland. They're evil. Birth control. Use it or not to use it. Bible translation. There would be some people who say, because I use the blessed ESV or the NIV or the New American Standard, we're off. It's King James only. It's the authorized version. It's the version Paul used. That's what they say. Giving, is it, you know, do I have to give 10%? Because if I don't give 10%, politics, Halloween, Santa Claus, Sabbath. Don't do any work on the Sabbath. Don't mow your lawn on the Sabbath. Debt. Should you carry debt? Should you not carry debt? Drinking, dancing, smoking. Those are all the subjects that we talk about as legalistic. Question. Two questions, really. How many of you grew either grew up in a church like this to some degree or have been around and experienced legalism? All right. And how many of you would be as so honest to say that you have some legalistic tendencies. Thank you. Yeah, I was wondering if it was going to be me, the only one raising my arm. What is legalism? Can we, can we walk away from here today with a definition of legalism? And where does it come from? Where does it begin? I could take you all the way back to Genesis 3, right? Did God really say, you shall not eat the tree of that, or fruit of that tree? Well, this is what, and, we, and did he really say you're going to die? Well, he didn't say that. He said we could eat of the tree of any garden, and he didn't say we could touch it. Remember, lest we touch it. God never said anything about touching the tree. You could juggle the fruit, kick the fruit, throw the fruit, play catch with the fruit. Never said anything about touching the fruit. It slides in there. What is legalism? Today we're going to look at Mark. We're going to look at the first 23 verses of chapter 7. And we're going to see the fruit of legalism. You're going to see it played out in the lives of the Pharisees. You're going to see this cultivation of it. How did that come about? And then you're going to see the root of legalism. Let me make a big statement up front. Our actions, our actions in life either validate the Word of God or they make void the Word of God, but always expose the heart of man. Always. Our actions, they either validate, they say this, this is true, or they make void, as we will see today in legalism, but they always reflect what's going on in the heart. When it comes to the fruit of legalism, you see in verses 1 through 5 that legalism masks itself in self-righteousness, it masks self-righteousness in pious religion. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with what were defi- hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Uh-oh. They're looking around and they say, these guys don't wash their hands. Now, by the way, this is not the idea of going and if you've got, like, uh, you're coming in from working on the car, right? You're going to go babysitting and you come in and you wash your hands with some Baraxo soap. That's not the idea. This is ritual cleansing. So clean your hands. It's a good thing. We're teaching our kids to clean their hands before meals. This was the cleansing that they came in, and every time they before they would eat, they would have somebody, and they would hold their hands, fingers up, so the water could permeate all parts of the hands. And they'd pour the water over the hands. Then they'd turn their hands down and do it the other way so it could run off. This was a ritual cleansing that they did before all meals to show everybody that we are clean and undefiled. 
Verse 3, For the Pharisees and all the Jews who do not eat unless they wash their hands ritually when they come from the marketplace and they do not eat unless they wash. And there were many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Jesus, why do your disciples not walk, live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? The perceived problem was ritual defilement. And so legalism masks self-righteousness. I am going to make myself righteous with pious religion. Look at me. I'm washing my hands. Let everybody know it. That's what the fruit of legalism is. It, 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 it's self-righteousness in pious, masked in pious religion. The cultivation of it comes when you nullify the Word of God by faithless works. You nullify the Word of God by faithless works. This is what Jesus does when he answers them in 6. He said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? Literally, it's play acting. It's a term used by Jesus and those in the New Testament from those days from the theater, that when people would come out to act, they would put on a mask. Like this. And he says, you play act, you hypocrites. You pretend like you have some pious religion. Rightly, and he's quoting the Old Testament here in Isaiah, did he say that this people honors me with their lips? Look at the key word, their heart is far from me. You go through the motions. You look clean, but your heart is far from me. In vain, in vanity, it's quickly passing. Do they worship me? They teach as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and you hold to the tradition of men. And he goes on to explain, and he says, let me give you another example. Besides this idea of unwashed hands, this is what you do. In verse 9, he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God. That's what it is to be legalistic, is to say God's word is not enough. I need to build a law around it. I don't even go with the spirit of the law or the letter of the law, but I go with my own new law to establish your own tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Now that is a strict commandment. Honoring the father and mother, and it was to be so much so that those who did not deserve death. But you say, Pharisees, if a man tells his father and mother, what you would have gained from me, what I should have done to provide for you is korban. It's it's an offering. It's given to God. It, It would be like a deacon not taking care of his mother, saying, Mama, I would give you this money, but I'm going to give it to the church. Sounds so good. Then Jesus said, Then you no longer permit them to do anything for his father and mother, to live out the true law, honor thy father and mother, thus making void the word of God by your traditions. It's a void check. You ever seen a check with void written on it? It's powerless. It's useless. It's no good. And Jesus said, and with many such things, you do this. See, they perceived the problem was ritual defilement. And Jesus exposes it. He says, you honor me with your lips, 
I want your heart. And here's what legalism is. You might want to write this definition down. It's not mine. It's from C.J. Mahaney, and it is a great definition of legalism. Legalism is seeking to achieve forgiveness with God before the cross. Seeking to achieve forgiveness with God or acceptance by God after the cross by obedience to God. Forgiveness, you're seeking to achieve God's forgiveness and God's acceptance by your obedience. It's, it's tricky because we are called to obey. But here's what it does. In essence, it's rooted in unbelief that God's words aren't enough and I don't need to be discerning, so I'm going to create a bunch of rules and that way if I, if I complete my rules, then I'm right with God. It's an unbelief before the cross that God justified you and it's a finished work. No, I need to continue to do this on my own. No, God declared you not guilty. It, it, it defeats it on this side of the cross when we do works-based sanctification, God's work in our progress. We forget that part of Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's what legalists read. And we forget, for God, for God is at work in you. And we forget. And then it's not God hasn't declared me righteous. No way he could have done it because I'm too evil and whatever, etc. And so I've got to set up my own rules, achieve my own salvation so I can be my own savior and, and say, look at me. No, we are made righteous with Christ apart from any works of our own. Our position for God, before God is because he declared us righteous because of the work of Jesus. And then our, our progress with God is because God... 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you might want to write that down. It is God who sanctifies us entirely. He gives us breath to breathe so that we might walk and glorify Him. Does that negate us of our responsibility? Absolutely not. But speaking to the legalist, Jesus would say, you try to do your works apart from faith. It's a substitute for faith. The Pharisees had built a law around the law. Not only missed the letter and the spirit, they just made it entirely void. It looks pious. It feels good. See, I'm clean. I'm righteous. I'm holy. But it's weak. It's powerless. And it's driven by fear. It's like those that, are, that walk with legalistic tendencies, and I being one of them, always asking, why am I reading this? Why am I doing this? But I'm not asking that question. I'm just going through the motions. Legalism is powerless. It's like trying to take a fastball, right? You've got, who's your favorite pitcher? Roger Clemens. It's like trying to take a fastball from Roger with your little Nerf bat here. It's not going to work. Or it's time to take the little Nerf sword and slay the dragon. And you're sitting there slaying the dragon's fierce and breathing down upon you. And then all of a sudden the dragon drops and you're sitting there waving your sword like you were so spectacular and heroic. Little do you know, but behind you is the big picture of a God who the dragon fears. It's powerless. It's weak. It's a feeble attempt of humans to try to achieve, I love how Mahaney says it, achieve righteousness with God or acceptance with God by obedience to God. Having said all that, let me back up and say two things. What legalism is not. 
Because this is where the confusion comes in. If you were brought up in a church, praise God, I was never brought up in a church like that. But if you were brought up in a church that said, you had to wear this, do that, couldn't wear this, couldn't wear that, couldn't go here, couldn't drink this, couldn't drink that, then by experience, your natural tendency towards any sort of standards, expectations, and authority is to reject it. No way. It's legalism. Legalism. Maybe not. Two things. We do not give up our responsibility. There are more commands in the New Testament than than you can count. There's probably a thousand of them. Imperatives. Do this. Do that. So we can't say, forget those. Paul calls us to do certain things. Keep yourselves pure and undefiled. Flee immorality. He's telling us to do these things and we must obey, but we must know why we obey and how, what is the power to obey. So legalism is not, uh, what legalism is not is not saying we have no responsibility. We have great responsibility. Just read the New Testament. Read the Old Testament. Read the Bible and you will see we have a great responsibility. What it is not is also not holding to some traditions and standards especially having moved from a place where it's dangerous because those traditions and standards are never challenged, the South. It's just blindly accepted at times. That's dangerous. To a place that when I say standard and expectation, I'm labeled a legalist. You're a legalist. No, I'm not. I am not wanting you to achieve forgiveness or acceptance with God by your obedience. But a standard is a standard. In fact, the Bible talks about traditions as good. In 2 Thessalonians 2.15 and 3.6, Paul talks about hold to the traditions which you received from us. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, it just talks about traditions that were being taught and received. Those are good. Those are good uses of the traditions. But it's the traditions that we make, that the Pharisees made, that add to and take away from the Scripture that are evil. Did you know Jesus had standards for his men outside the gospel, outside salvific, uh, just believe, trust in me, repent and follow me? Did he know he had standards for his men? He did. Twelve of them. Back in chapter 6, this is what he said. He charged them to take nothing for their journey. No bread, no bag, no money, no belts. He had a standard for them. When you go out from here, you're not going to do this, 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 and this. That's Jesus. Giving them rules to follow. A standard to keep. And you know what he did later on in Luke 22? It's funny. He actually changed it. Before I told you not to take any money bags, knapsacks, I say, well, now take one of those and a sword. So the problem is not standards and expectations. I want you to hear that loud and clear. The problem is not standards and expectations. Everybody has their own standards and expectations that are non-salvific, and it's okay. We want our president to hold to certain standards. We want our doctors to abide by that oath. We want lawyers to go with certain standards. I sure hope the teachers that are teaching my young daughter have some standards. 
And we have standards in business. Vail Resorts has standards. The Rotary Club has standards. If I go to Beaver Creek to ski today, they have standards. And that's okay, and nobody bucks up against that. Standards are not the issue. I talked to a guy this week, had coffee with him, and he said, we're starting to implement some standard operating procedures. I said, good for you. It brings clarity. Less confusion, you can go. Absolutely. Standards are not the issue. Problems arise without standards. Did you know that? There's a, there are six, maybe five or six people in jail in Haiti. Maybe they've been released. I haven't seen the latest update. Church workers who came to do a good thing, hearts in the right place. Let's give them that. We want to help these Haitian kids. We want to get them to an orphanage. But they had no standards. And they were sent with no standards. And they go and they start doing this. And people hear about it and they put them in jail. Who are you? Are you in ministry that cares for it? Well, no, we're not really. We're just a missionary team. Okay? Great hearts. No standards? Gets them in trouble. Gets them in trouble. And you know who? what, what concerns me? It's not the, those people who went on the mission trip. It's the pastor and the elders who let them go without any standards. Standards are not the issue. What is the issue, Judge? You're saying if standards aren't the issue, what is the issue? The deeper issue, the much deeper issue that we have to address starts in verse 14. And the, he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you. He's gathering around everybody. I want not only the Pharisees and the scribes who work for them to hear this and my disciples, I want all of you to hear this. There is nothing outside a person that going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of the person are what defile him. And he left it. His disciples are sitting there and they're, okay. And so when he entered into the house and left the people, the disciples asked him a parable. And he said to them, are you also without understanding? And then the gracious Lord didn't say, silly people. He said, do you not see that whoever, whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not into his heart, there's that word again, but his sick stomach and is expelled. And he makes a little side note. Guess what he says? All foods are clean. Uh-huh. You can have chicken wings tonight. It's okay. All foods are clean. Just a little side note. All foods. Beef's clean. Organically speaking. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. What comes out of the heart, the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. Let me just put that in modern technical language for all of us who are 30s and younger. The overflow of your fingertip, the heart, your fingertips will email, text, IM, Twitter, tweet, Facebook, post, what's going on in your mind. The overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak, your hands will write emails. I assure you. For from within, out of the heart, this is what he's saying. Let me get, let me, let's not play around with the physical, let's not talk about the water and did you have all five of your fingers straight up and you guys have missed it. It comes from in here. It's your motives. It's why you do what you do. 
For within, out of the heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, which is just general sinfulness, deceit, sensuality, or lewdness. It's, I think of sensuality and lewdness, I think of boulder. People running around naked thinking it's normal when there's only two of them. It's just not normal. Sensuality, it's lewd. comes from a heart that's craving something. I don't know. Love to sit down and ask him a question, give him a towel. Envy, slander. See, envy, that kind of gets, if I only had. Slander, here's one, pride, ouch. And, and then foolishness, foolishness. It comes from, it comes from a, an evil, sexually immoral, deceitful, thefty, angry, murderous, coveting, wicked, envious, slandering, prideful, foolish heart. Pharisees, you missed it. You wash your cups another place in the Gospels, you make them all pretty, but inside it's dead man's bones. It stinks. You need something else. You need something else. You need the good doctor to come in and give you a transplant to take that evil, slanderous, foolish, prideful heart that's stony, pull it out, and to put in a clean heart. And that is not something any person in this room can do. Apart from the gracious work of God on the human soul, it is not anything we can do. If you think you can do it on your own, that is called self-righteousness. That means that you really believe that you're good enough and, and you, through your own efforts, can be right with God. And it's not right. And a lot of people have left the church. It's legalistic. Not, I'm not necessarily saying this church, but the church over the years, it's legalistic. It's this, it's that. When the church's failure has been maybe we have set up standards and we have done things that we should not have done and equating forgiveness with God or acceptance with God by obedience to God. Or maybe those who have left really don't get it themselves. It's not about obedience. Ultimately, that is a fruit of something deeper that goes on in here. It's about understanding how evil and disgusting Can we read that list again? It's disgusting. It's a disgusting list. Evil thoughts. Anybody in here not ever think evil thoughts? Good. Um, Sexual immorality. Do I even need to go into description? Do you know in today's day and age that uh, what's cool is not just texting? You know what the cool new thing to do today is? Sexting. Huh? Texting lewd comments to your girlfriend or boyfriend, promising you'll never send it to anyone else. Taking a nude picture of yourself and sending it on. And guess what? 
We thought that was just for little teenagers who have nothing better to do. No. The older generation is doing it as well. Saw it on the news the other day, and if it's on the news, it must be right. Sexual immorality, theft, stealing, murder. Murder, by the way, is not competition. Murder, Jesus said, is if you're angry with your brother, if you're bitter, you've murdered them. I had a friend of mine one day say to me, so have you murdered anyone today? It kind of caught me like, murdered anyone today? And then, the, then I, I was like, ah, I know where you're going with this. Yes, I have. And please forgive me. Because anger, according to Jesus in Matthew 6, is murder. Adultery, lust, coveting, wanting, more, wanting something you don't have, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, as the NIV says. It's lewd, it's defiling, it's impure, it's gross. It's gross. It's like gross. The only illustration I want to use is just think of whatever's most disgusting in your house. That is what our heart, apart from the work of God on it, it's disgusting. And Jesus came to cleanse that heart. And he continually cleanses that heart. By his perfect life, we don't have to die. By his death, we live. Because he went physically to the cross and died for our sins, all that lewd, wicked, ugly stuff, we can live. And now the battle for us is to be satisfied. Satisfied in God's righteousness. See, the legalist wants to control. If I can control, if I can do this, I'm in control. In the cockpit of my own life, I'm going to read this today, read that today. Holy Spirit says, no, go do that. No, I want, to, I want control. Legalist seeks for control. And let me say it like this. Again, there's nothing wrong with standards. Grace-filled hearts have grace-based standards. There's reasons we have standards that we do. Even in this church, there's reasons we have standards. There's reasons we promote membership. Membership, let me just say it from the pulpit so you hear it from me. Membership in a church is not legalistic. I'll go back this way, make an icon. Membership in a church is not legalistic. straight from the Scripture. People think that that is legalism. It's not adding anything to Scripture. Can it be a tool used by evil men who want to control and say, by now, starting next week, February 14th, Valentine's Day, all women dresses will touch ankles. There will be no feet showing because feet are show sexuality. That's what it says. No feet. I want socks. Big old woolly socks covered up by leg warmers. No feet. That's legalistic. So we don't have legalistic standards. And if we do, please help us point some of those out. and Show us from Scripture because we don't want to be like these Pharisees. By the way, we're not going to tell you what to wear, what to books to read. I know that went out in an email the other week and some have thought, well, is, it, is Judd saying you can't read a certain book? No, just be a discerning reader. 
There are some books worse than others. I'm never going to tell you not to read books. I'm going to tell you to read all books. But read books like this with a pen in your hand and going, that's not right. That's not how the Bible describes God. That's not what the Trinity looks like. And what about, on page 127, about the Gospel? Here it is. It's written there. Big softball. Is there only one way to God? Well, and we just slide of hand, dismiss it. Mocks the Trinity, misses the Gospel. We're just telling you to be discerning readers. There are some of us in here who hide our legalism by, quote, walking in the Spirit. Because we're going to do whatever we want to do, and we have one rule. We will not follow man's rules. We grossly misinterpret Scripture and say, no, I don't need anybody else to teach me but the Holy Spirit. Really? I need Paul to teach me. I need the author of Hebrews to teach me. I need Peter to teach me. I need John to teach me. I need... Eric and Andrew and Ben and Mike and Ivan and another Mike. Patrick, I need, I need men to teach me, to gather around me, and to hold me to biblical standards, grace-based biblical standards, so that I know that I'm not walking down my own little path. Some of us are hiding our legalism. Some of us are legalists and we just don't know it. We're just legalists. We've got all these little rules we keep, and if someone were to say, Get rid of your rules for a week and try walking in the Spirit. We'd freak out. You know how I know that? Because it takes one to know one. takes one to know one. Constantly asking myself, okay, I, why do I need to read this? Why am I going through all this? Okay, am I here to develop an... And, and am I here to develop a relationship with my Savior, or am I going through the motions? Am I a Pharisee? That's what I ask myself. Am I a Pharisee? That's what I ask myself. I just want to make sure that myself, in my own being, that I am cultivating a relationship with the one person who saved me from that wicked, defiled heart. I want to get to know Him and love Him. Or am I just going through the motions, checking it off? Got my reading plan in today. Pray for the elders. Pray for those people. Pray for those people. Pray for those people. Check. Got it in today. Hello, how are you? Can I, yes, you can have your coffee. Would you like to come to church? Did my evangelism for the month. How are we doing? I see it in me, and I ain't the only one in the room. We have a tendency to want to control. and You know why? Because it's harder to walk by the Spirit. It's harder to walk by the Spirit. So let's just, let's just check where our hearts is. Do we look more like the Pharisees or do we look more like Jesus? Father, help me not to be a legalist. Help me to understand the freedoms that I have in Jesus. And at the same time, Lord, help me to walk by your power and be obedient to be able to fulfill all the commands you give me to do 
so that your name is honored and that people see something different in me. Help me, Lord, to cultivate a relationship with you through your word and through prayer in an honest attempt. And even the days, Lord, when I don't feel like I'm getting something out of my Bible reading, help me to stay faithful to cultivating a relationship with you. Help me when I talk to you, not talk to you like I'm just going through the motions today. Got to get it out on the table because if I don't, then I can't say I didn't do it and then I look like a sinful, evil person, which I really am. Help me, Lord, to do that uh, by your Spirit to walk freely in Christ, to be obedient, to put to death the deeds of the flesh, and to be an example. And I pray that every person in this room would do the same thing. To walk in freedom. To walk in discipline. With both truth and grace. Keep us from falling off the donkey either on grace with no discipline or truth with all discipline and no grace. Give us that supernatural ability to hold those things in tension and to cultivate a heart that loves Jesus. And then the world will say, what is the reason for the hope that is within us? And give us boldness in that moment to proclaim the gospel. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Great.